Welcome to Real History, shows what you know about history. On this podcast, we talk about historical movies and television shows, anything that claims to be based on a true story, and we check how bad did they mess it up? What was life actually like during that time period? Well, that's why we're here, to separate the real history from the real history. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I don't know anything about history. My name is Michael Tynan, and I'm considering reporting Mel Gibson for crimes against historical inaccuracy. Maybe to The Hague, I'll see. Uh, my name is Mark Bell, and I am just very confused by this film. Excellent. So, uh, the film we're talking about this week is Apocalypto, uh, from 2006, I believe, directed by Mel Gibson. Do you have some additional facts on the actual film, Michael? Yeah, I've done up a little bit on it. So, uh, first of all, it's a long enough movie. It's an action movie, uh, first and foremost. It's just over two hours long. Uh, as you said, directed by Mel Gibson. He's also uh, had a part in writing it as well, as did Farhad Safina. And it was released on December the 8th, 2006. Um, I suppose in terms of uh, trivia about it, first of all, it's a blockbuster movie that was made for about 40 million, but made it, it, the box office was about 120 million. So it did actually make a lot of movie uh, or a lot of money. And that's great because, you know, there's not a lot of movies out there that, you know, would be, like this whole movie is subtitled because like, it's in the Yucatan Mayan language, the modern version of it. All the actors, they're all unknown actors, mainly outside Hollywood anyway. You know, they're, it, 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 and it was in a way, it was a very brave decision for Mel Gibson uh, to, you know, get behind this movie and try and create it. It's just a pity, as we'll see, that uh, he fucked the rest of it up. But anyway. <laughs> I have a feeling this is a film that many people maybe haven't like are aware of but haven't quite seen. Um so I'll give you the brief one sentence summary just of what the plot is that we're going through and it is as follows. After a peaceful village is decimated, the population sacrificed and enslaved, one villager escapes and is chased through the wilderness on a trek back to his family. But who is the hunter and who is the hunted? <laughs> Excellent. That's the first time Excellent. I've included a question in the one sentence summary. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Who's going to answer that question? Uh, I don't know. Well, it's not going to be um, me anyway, because I'm <laughs> still baffled by this film. So, uh, I actually, uh, I, I like this film. I mean, let's talk about it on a film level before we start the bashing. <laughs> Where, as you said, Michael, it's an action film. Like Specifically, yeah. uh, from what I understand, they set out to do like a chase film, which I guess is a sort of subgenre. Because we can all bring to mind, I'm sure, like big films where it's all about like chasing someone down or someone escaping people hunting them mm -hmm. which is basically what this is but they took that and that was kind of i think the core idea they wanted to do that but stripped to a very bare bones version and sort of make something about you know primal fear and people running through the jungle basically and chasing each other and killing each other and doing all of this but have it feel like an action movie which i think it does fairly successfully it, it definitely does that. that this this movie is not what i was expecting at all like i had a vague idea that it was set somewhere in central or south america and it, I, in my mind it was about oh the spanish are, are coming which is not really what it's about at all and and like it's just like horrible tragedy and then it just turns into predator and i was like this is this is quite yes. good like this is this is quite well put <laughs> together you know i mean and i think it, the movie comes at the at the height of uh or maybe not to hide, but like before Mel Gibson has, has uh, sort of dirtied his bib and, and uh, you know, <laughs> been been, um, been uh, sort of shunned by much of Hollywood for his for his uh, drunken outbursts about you know his anti-Semite comments and all this kind of stuff that he made. Um, but but it's 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 an interesting choice for him to make. Like like Michael says, it's it's controversial enough, I imagine, and you can't imagine this would have gotten any major studio cash if it wasn't for him right it's probably yeah. fair to say and like it, it like if what i what i thought when i watched this movie um and when i recently did again the same thing popped into my mind it's like rambo yeah yeah like yeah, the, yeah. The, obviously it's 500 it's set 500 years ago but like he's being chased in the jungle uh by bloodthirsty gang and he is coming up with clever and 
you know, increasingly elaborate ways of killing them with poison darts and all different traps and all this type of thing. So it jumped, it was, for me, it jumped out like it was a John Rambo movie, you know? Yeah, it, it definitely has that element, for sure. Like, it, and, and I think it's, it's, uh, it's an, like, it, like I, I was sort of pleasantly surprised by that, I think, because it focused way more on that than, like, I thought it was going to do the classic Hollywood sort of, you know, Anglosphere kind of thing, which is like, let's just focus on the white guys who arrive in, and, you know what I mean? And they're not really bad guys, and I thought it was going to do that, and it just doesn't do that at all, which which I thought was sort of refreshing and, and uh, interesting to see. Um, yeah, I was just going to mention what, what you were saying there, Mark, about it kind of being the peak of Mel Gibson as a filmmaker, his career in a way, because this is like the film right after Passion of the Christ, which made all the money in the actual world. Um, <laughs> and then right as this film is being released, he's like starting to have some controversies about his behavior, like a DUI and obviously some weird anti-Semitic comments and stuff like that. And then he, there's just been a slew of like Mel Gibson clearly being an absolute maniac since then and we all know this but it, I think it's perfectly illustrated in a South Park episode where Mel Gibson's there he's kind of he's nude he's twisting his nipples going ah my nipples explode with delight but then he also gives really great commentary on like story structure in it and they're like god damn that Mel Gibson he may be a maniac but he sure knows about story structure he knows and his that's movies that's kind of what we see here I think yeah 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 so yeah go ahead Michael well no like what I'd say is that that is the whole thing with Mel Gibson. That's his saving grace. He knows how to Brilliant. create a, a compelling Brilliant. story. Like he can, like you can see this for in Braveheart, whatever it is. Never mind the inaccuracy. You're you're glued to the screen. You mightn't like it all, but you're glued to the screen. And like for example, like I do give him kudos for for example, like they recorded they, they where this film was made. They did re- make it in Veracruz in. Uh, in Mexico, you know, they would have used a lot of the same locations. As we'll go into, that area is more associated with the Aztecs than the Mayans, but like still, he was in this right country at least, you know? Uh, so yeah. I'll give him I'll give him the benefit for that. Well, you know? he's sort of in the right country. <laughs> the, the question of how much did they sacrifice to tell a good story, it's kind of never more apparent than with a Mel Gibson film where his historical films are often very good stories, but he's just like, ah, you know, you get it. Like, we had a historical consultant and then we, we listened to him, but then we decided to do what we wanted to do. Like, it feels like it's like informed decisions on their part, uh, but kind of ends up making it a bit frustrating for anyone who is learning history through this or realizing way later that oh everything about this is actually a bit off <laughs> well it's 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 particularly egregious I, I thought because like it opens with the quote from uh will durant the famous historian and it's like about the collapse of civilization and stuff and i'm just like whatever about it being taken out of context because will durant was not talking about central or, or south america but the fact that like it's it's that level of historically inaccurate, and you're quoting Will Durant, I'm just like, how dare you? Like <laughs> this guy, this guy has a Pulitzer for for his, you know what I mean for his for his uh, historical work, and uh, yeah, anyway, that's just my little nerdy uh, outrage there. Right at the start of the movie, I was just furious by that. But anyway, and for just for those of you who are in, in, an interest in it, um, like it's it got it's an average sixty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so. If you're reading any of the reviews, it's likely they'll say, wow, beautifully shot, compelling uh, story, just ho- total horseshit when it comes to history. Uh, so I suppose we, we could go into a few of the kind of general inaccuracies that kind of plight the film a little bit. Uh, Anton, that jumped out with you, Mark? I think, honestly, like the, the opening few minutes, and it probably took me about 10 minutes to actually get over this and, and get into the get into the the story of the film i suppose to get sort of get past this sort of the the shock um and for me like i didn't know when it was set right so i i like i was saying earlier i thought this was about i thought this movie was about because i didn't do any research on it of course i thought this movie was about the the spanish arriving to colonize well quote-unquote colonize to obliterate uh, the aztecs um but it clearly wasn't and you can tell it's not from the very start because they don't look like aztecs they're not dressed like aztecs the guys in the village aren't dressed at all which I found very strange. I was like, "Why are they? Why? Why does it look like the Stone Age?" You know what I mean. I was just like, and then I was like, "Oh, well, maybe it's set way before I thought it was." So I was looking at their village, and I'm thinking to myself, "Right, this is the Yucatan Peninsula, and they're living in a village that looks like that. That's just wildly inaccurate. That's, I mean, 
that's maybe a thousand years behind where they where they should be technologically. The village is not, um, it's not irrigated. It's not cleared. It's like just wooden little shacks surrounded by trees. People are barely dressed. Like it's just it's it's just not. It's not even the beginnings of accurate of of what that area of the world will have looked like. Um, so so that's sort of po- like I mean they're hunter gatherers and I'm like this is like where's the where's the cornfields like what the hell is this like you know it just makes no sense at all. Yeah, like I think we should say that the film p- says that the movie is opening in 1500, so a little over 500 years yeah. ago. You know, um, yeah, and but, the, but what it portrays is like it's the Stone Age. It's a start like yeah. in the village. I'm like, why is this? you know yeah like the civilizations who lived in mesoamerica they would have had like about four thousand five hundred years of history and civilization behind them you know so i do agree that the scene in the forest is like a hunter gatherer scene um which you know it it, to be honest it didn't jump out at me as much but now that you say it it it, kind of hits home like they 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 do, there is no like normally there would have been agriculture they would have had maize fields they would have had this type of thing but we none of that is stone buildings none of that's in evidence in a small yeah, village yeah. yeah yeah and and as as they get as they're sort of the the other tribe um attacked him well i guess tribe is the only thing you call them when the soldiers attacked him and, and basically the village gets attacked and uh people are captured and they're, and they're enslaved and as they're being sort of marched to the, the nearby city um it's it's evident from what the what it's showing so basically here's what here's where I'm, here's why i'm confused okay so it says this is the 1500s so it was a 1511 i think it said i think you said so it says the 1502 1502 okay so it's the, so it's the early 1500s but what the shots are depicting in the movie is the collapse of the mayan classical period and the Mayan classical period is the what the ninth and tenth century. So, so you're we're we're off by really a lot here. We're off by seven hundred years, um, six seven hundred e- years. Yeah, but even <laughs> at that, the village that is off by another <laughs> like seven hundred years. So this is like Stone Age village, which is attacked by people from the from the ninth century who are allegedly existing in the 16th century it just it just makes no sense at all and as they're marching through it shows the failure of the crops and and things collapsing and that's that's why it led me to believe okay this is the mayan the collapse of the classical mayan civilization um because that's what historians think happened no one actually knows why the civilization collapsed but they think there was climate change essentially and there was there was a series of uh, major major Droughts. crop failures droughts yeah, yeah. And loads and loads of crop failures, and then because of that, there will there will have been um, contraction to smaller numbers of cities, and then that fractured and so on and so on and so forth, as as we often see. But then there's another thing that happens as they're being marched to the city. They they come across a woman who's dying of a disease. Now this could be a local disease, uh, as Jacob, I think you said before we went we went on air. But I'm sorry, that's smallpox. Like that's. That looks like smallpox, because she has all of the the bloated kind of blisters all around her face. The young girl who's with her mother also seems to have this disease, and I'm just looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, okay, but this is before the Europeans arrive. So how the hell has she got smallpox? Because, you know, not to have a go at the Europeans, but like we basically annihilated much of the population of the Americas by bringing them European diseases, and one of the major ones was smallpox. And those diseases, like, I mean, they're responsible for wiping out as much as 90% of the population of Native Americans. You know, it's, it's really, really savage. But how could these people have smallpox if the Europeans haven't arrived? It just, I, I, so I was sort of baffled. I was like, is it the Mayan collapse? And if it's the Mayan collapse, why is there smallpox? And if it's the Mayan collapse, why is it 1502? I just I just didn't understand what was going on at all. And I know a lot of people don't aren't going to look at the movie and think that, but that's a problem too. Because Mel Gibson is yeah. contributing to a, a Western misunderstanding and degradation of native culture and achievement, and like it's it's borderline racist for me. What's going on at the start of this movie? You know, yeah. Like the thing with this film is that it's basically there's an original sin, and the original sin is that Mel Gibson chose the collapse of the Mayan civilization as you went into Mark, which had the, the classical Mayan civilization, it had continued on. Uh, Mel Gibson chose that period of time, but he was 600 years late, okay? 
what he yeah. should have done and if he wanted to make this film a far more accurate portrayal of you know the civilization in the valley of mexico prior to the spanish arrival he should have just picked the aztec people you know because exactly i, the, I don't know why he didn't do that <laughs> just it yeah, makes no sense like, to me like, I can't it would have made a far better points. movie uh, people yeah. wouldn't have been complaining about all the historical accuracies. He would have we still made a great it. movie. We, we know all know it. it's, it's easier to yeah. do, to do from a historical point of view. And like Mel Gibson loves blood in movies, so he does, the yeah, Aztecs. Yeah, he does. You know, he would have still had that if he had just said this is the Aztec civilization. But instead, he stuck rigidly to saying it was the Maya uh, civilization, and that you know everybody speaks uh, Yucatan Mayan in the film. So he's deliberately confusing a whole generation of people who watch this movie. He's also doing a disservice, as you said, because like the Mayans did, uh, sac- they did uh, carry out human sacrifice, but like th- it was a real, it was it was only exceptional circumstances. So maybe the inauguration of a new king, um, or for example. Uh, it would have been in the case of, say, to thank the god of war for a great victory, whereas the Aztecs were far more prolific with human sacrifice. Way so he could, yeah. if he wanted, yeah. yeah, like if he wanted skulls bouncing down the steps of a pyramid, he could have done it. He could, he just should have said that it was the Aztecs, and then we probably wouldn't be having this big bitch. Uh, about like, Mel Gibson yeah. and his crimes I, I, against it, historical accuracy, you know, re- like I mean, really, it's it, it's 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 really excessively confused. It's really really excessively confused because, uh, as you say, he's just equating two different, not just time periods. It, it's it's not just time periods, but he's equating two different cultures. So put this in a European context so our listeners will understand this uh, in in sweeping terms. This is like saying. The Vikings arrive in at the court of uh, the court of uh, Ferdinand and Isabella in in Castile. You know what I mean? This is like this is like the, the Vikings arrive into Madrid in fifteen hundred. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like it's two completely different cultures at completely different periods of time in a vaguely similar part of <laughs> of a country or a geographical area. Yeah, but it's wouldn't ludicrous. that be cool though? It would that's be cool. Ma- that's but Mel that's Gibson's a, argument. It, it is a cool, but that's I a time travel movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah, I actually have like, I mean, his rationalization is definitely that, uh, like to quote him, like, um, Apocalypto. Is, is it they're not white? Like, Fuck the, them. Is that what it is? It's they're not white. So who cares? <laughs> well, that's no, it it's that Apocalypto is like, um, the set, the Mayan setting is just the backdrop for what he would call a more universal story exploring civilizations and what undermines them. But this is kind of the problem as well with him introducing that quote at the beginning, where which is along the lines of a society can't be conquered from without before it's been you know corrupted from within or whatever. It's kind of almost setting up a theme of these people are bad, so they deserve to be yeah. fucked up by the Europeans who are coming over. I didn't take that message from away from it when i watched it but it's definitely there to be read if one wants to but just to summarize because there's lots of things being confused because the film is very confusing but in essence we're looking at what's where the film takes place in 1500s 1502 um and there's several layers of confusion where they're depicting the Mayans, but the Mayans are basically at the end of the classical period for Mayans, which is like ending maybe around the 900s or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And at the same, uh, because the Mayans did continue after that in a post-classical era, and that is what the film is trying to depict. But what the filmmakers have done is, while the classical era was cooler and bigger and grander scale, so we're going to take the cooler, bigger pyramids and stick in here because I mean that's all that's an aesthetic choice. That's them going fuck it. We're going to do that but then there's also like the technology level with the village and stuff which i mean i can rationalize it in a way of going just like oh you know there's always tribes that are uh, you know separate from uh, society Amazon, and blah blah, blah. but you're- <laughs> yeah 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 exactly um so that, that there's that level of confusion and then there's also the confusion of uh, the maya and the aztec so let me ask point blank for everyone who needs a refresher why is this such a mistake what is the difference and like what different time periods did these people exist in because we've talked about the mayans the classical period and that and my understanding is that aztecs were way more into human sacrifice and such but uh like what time period would their empire have been in was this at the same time what was going on there so 
what you're looking at for the Aztecs. So they're first of all, they're more accurately known as the Mexica people. So they're the people who settled in the Valley of Mexico. Um, in the the main city there, which I will try and pronounce all these things phonetically. I have been working on this, so it's going to be very rough. Um, that would have been founded um, in the 1300s. Okay, so uh, this civilization, the Aztec civilization, was at the peak of its power. Okay, when the actual Spanish arrived. But just to kind of go into a a uh, brief overview of, I suppose, the Mexica or the Aztec culture. Um, essentially, they were a confederation of city-states, um, which, in to put it into a European context as well, very similar to kind of the Greek city-states, okay? So yeah, the Greeks, yeah. All yeah. different, yeah, all different cities allied with each other, paying tribute to each other, going to war with each other all this type of thing. They all shared the same la- language, essentially, or versions of it, uh, which I will try to read now, the Nahuatl <laughs> language, okay? Nice. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's sort of what's the defining characteristic of them. But obviously, they had different ethnicities, different groups, all this type of thing. Um, but uh, uh, r- uh, around this time, you're looking at a civilization about 15 million people in central Mexico, okay? Um there was the main kind of peoples that there was a, a, at the time a, a triple alliance which controlled the Aztec Empire um, under Montezuma. So this is r- around the year 1500, so just prior to the Spanish arrival. Uh, and they were kind of a, a confederation of the Tenaka, the Texcoco, and the Tacuba. Okay. Um, their capital well city was Tenochtitlan, okay, which I love because it means prickly pear cactus. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's modern day Mexico City or, or within the environs of modern day Mexico City, right? Or, or it's nearby, built, at least. Mexico City is built right on top of it. It was a lake city. It was a city in the middle of a of a lake it had it was extremely sophisticated it had mm. you know everything from plazas to um you know uh, canal systems and so stone what we're streets. saying michael is what we're saying is they absolutely were not fucking hunter gatherers like he's describing no. at the start of this fucking movie I'm no. sorry sorry i just can't let it go yeah. sorry well, this is it. Like it to be like there was a population of this capital city of about three hundred thousand prior to the Spanish arrival. So that was bigger than Paris or Peking at the time. So this was the center of a massive, massive empire that had four thousand five hundred years of Mayan history behind it and several other um, Mexica groups or, or groups that lived in that area. So it was extremely civilized. You know, um, it's. In, ter- in terms of its, um, like, what their technological level would have been. Okay, they would have been behind the Spanish, all right? But they had irrigation, they had pyramids, they had planned stone streets. As I said, zoos, they had their own football game, you know, arts. They had their own uh, language um, that was written in gl- hieroglyphics as well, which is beautiful to watch. I'd really recommend anyone to actually look up uh, Aztec writing because... It's beautiful. It's uh, it's a lot. It, you would see a lot of it still influencing me- Mexican culture to this day, you know. Um, and probably the thing that they were more advanced than the Europeans in that's like very noticeable is astronomy because they understood the stars and the suns yeah. and the, the, how the planetary. And they knew the world was ending in 2012. Yeah, I was just right. I was just about to come in with that. Going, didn't they know? <laughs> I think that's the Mayans, if I'm not mistaken. See, I did a Mel Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, you know, there is overlap between these cultures uh, with religious practice and stuff like that as well, you know? Um, they Actually, if you want to go into their religion, they basically re- they worship the sun um, and the name of the sun god and the main kind of god of war. Are you ready for this? Huitzilopochtli. Uh, yeah. Excellent. All right. Yeah. How's that sound? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And essentially, people often ask, why was sacrifice so, you know, important in this culture? And it was because they believed that basically the blood was needed to satisfy the gods, okay? Or the world would end. So the harvest would fail. But as well as that, time would come to to an end. So 
like if when you're looking to understand why was human sacrifice so important that's very very you know essential to know like they didn't do it for no reason and obviously a lot of cultures uh carried out human sacrifice in ireland in uh, all across europe there was you know human sacrifice if you go far enough back you know what i mean they weren't expecting the arrival of another empire from across the sea okay they never realized that this was going to happen and for me this moment in history is the equivalent of if we were to go to Mars tomorrow and we met <laughs> Martians, okay? Like two societies that had no idea about each other uh, yeah. suddenly clashing. And obviously that gives, that, that is a really rich ground to explore if you're into history, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if you want to kind of go into Anton about that, maybe some of the differences or, or, or maybe if you want to learn a little bit about Cortes and the Spanish arrival, what, 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 what would you like I'm, to hear? I'm, well, first I'm tempted to make a joke about, yeah, it's kind of like arriving in Ireland and trying to figure out how uh, people <laughs> do things here and what they mean. What is sound anyway? I thought it was audio waves in the air. Um, there's, uh, there's that joke, but it's not really an accurate joke because... I think there's things along the lines of like they, they there were no horses obviously so when they mm. arrived they were like what the fuck is that thing um like the the cultures are so different and the way of thinking so different I presume but I think that the thing to relate to the film is with the Aztec and the Maya uh the filmmakers wanted to have their cake and eat it too right they were like we're going to do the story that we want to do and we're yeah they're mayan but whatever we're going to pull whatever influences we want to make this story work um would it be accurate to say if we're looking at the differences that you you were saying that it would have made sense if they were the aztecs so does that mean the mayans were less into say human sacrifice that's so central to the film they were they although it was done as i said earlier basically it was for extreme special occasions they normally actually yeah. the mayans um they were more into sacrificing the likes of jaguars and parrots and stuff like this and they would yeah, reserve sacrifice, human yeah. sacrifice for real emergencies as they would see it as a way of appeasing the gods or as like for uh, the inauguration of a king or something like that whereas the aztecs it was far more prolific um, in terms of the amount of like they would they, who the Aztecs would normally actually sacrifice would be uh, captured warriors. So from other villages. Animals, so, yeah. Yeah. So this loose alliance of city states um, essentially subjugated all the people around it and made them pay taxes to them. But it also took their people, their women as slaves, and they would have also essentially um use the men the, the warriors they captured for sacrifice you know um, right, so, so that's so what basically we see in the film, obviously yeah so yeah, so yeah. essentially which is what confused the, me because i was like are they mayans oh wait are they aztecs yeah <laughs> what's going on <laughs> the reli- so the religious ceremonies you see in the film where they rip out the heart okay and they hold it up and all this that is Aztec, okay? That's not yeah. uh, Mayan. So that was one of the things that was really, really annoying about this film, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's, I, I could go on about it all day. <laughs> well, that's, that scene as well with the, with the eclipse, which, which I thought was mm. really, really interesting. I wanted, to, I wanted to see what you guys, you guys thought of that. Because I, I was watching that, and, and there's, there's sort of like a... I guess he's the king. Like he, he sort of, he sort of looks at like the the high priest when this is happening. And I was wondering, since we know the Mayans, like you said earlier, like their 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 knowledge, their uh, astronomical knowledge, um, is was superior, like say to Europeans, equivalent to Europeans. Um, but I I was wondering, like, w- was that trying to indicate that the priest and the king are sort sort of knew that there was going to be an eclipse at this time? Oh, yeah, or was so it, the, you know, you know what I mean. Was is that what it was trying to say? And where they were like, is that something that they use as part of their religion, religion to control people? You or could argue they that they, say? yeah. So the priest class, essentially, that they would have had this special knowledge about how to read this, the stars, essentially. So they knew if there was going to be an eclipse um, and this type of thing, and they knew how to, you know, harness that knowledge to, I suppose, maintain control over the population. It was a deeply right. religious society as well, you know. So, uh, like, for example, Montezuma, so the king of the uh, Aztecs or the Mexica, 
if uh, like if a normal ordinary citizen was to look on him gaze upon him you know directly and they were caught it would be death the death penalty straight away you know because he was considered a semi semi divine character you know uh so you know it 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 does actually have some parallels with other societies where the king becomes semi divine as we've seen over the course of these podcasts you know uh but yeah it's uh, like in terms of the clash of civilizations like you mentioned jacob that they didn't have horses the um aztecs or the mayans but like they didn't have wheel transport either you know they had wheels uh they had discovered the wheels but at that time it was still only being used in things like children's toys you know uh so maybe eventually they would have used wheels like but they had no grazing animals so their cities would have looked so much different from ours so they like they wouldn't have had cows or sheep or any of this type of thing grazing as we do they wouldn't have cleared the forest for that so their cities would have been had like they would have cleared the forest to build a building but it would have been surrounded by trees there is this bit in the film as well about uh like the stucco where they're showing the slaves being forced to create this lime stucco cement that they use to cover the temples mm-hmm. and apparently some historians consider this to be a factor like in the mayan decline because like they would have needed f- maybe five tons of forestry to make like one ton of this quick lime stucco and they want uh, like buildings coated in the stuff um, mm. So they would have cleared forest for that purpose, which I guess is ornamental mainly. <laughs> so yeah. maybe they cleared some land there anyway. But yeah, it, it would have been quite different. I, I just wanted to say as well, I'm sure I agree that it's all a mess historically. But if I'm going to just play devil's advocate for the filmmakers, uh, you said Mayan sacrifices happen at special occasions. The film does depict a drought that there's like extreme difficulty in, in the, the land. So there's that. And from the, the I think the historical sort of consultant on the film answering these types of criticism said that like it's kind of a weak argument but he was like you know Aztec culture you know it would have influenced the Mayan culture at this time because there was so much warfare and like that would have spilled over into the way they behaved at this time so that's kind of their rationalization but yeah the Aztec empire would have been uh like it would have been in its ascendancy at this time it would have been above the mayan religion so obviously the or sorry above the mayan society so they would be taking in the later period at this time in 1500 they would have taken some things from the aztecs but still in the film you see lines of men being lined up for sacrifice one after the other skulls being thrown down these steps huge pits pits of dead bodies like huge pits of dead bodies like that's, there's no evidence scale of death, like, you know, there's no evidence for that there. level with Maya and it does a great disservice to modern day Mayan people that their culture was uh, desecrated by Mel Gibson's hubris but anyway that's another thing <laughs> I've I've had the uh, privilege of going to the Natural History Museum in Mexico City um, and it's an it's an enormous museum Uh, like there's so much uh, like so many artifacts and and relics and everything and so many different cultures obviously Mexico is a huge nation um, with lots of different states with lots of different cultures and there's like loads of stuff around still Uh, so I was in there almost like a whole day getting kind of drowsier all the different cultures kind of melting into each other a little bit and then you get to uh i think the aztec stuff or the mexica stuff and you're like holy shit because <laughs> it's cartoonish how much it's like tied to sacrificing people and how much it's like the the car the the sort of stereotypical view of that culture right because there's like huge sacrifice stones carved with skulls lines for the blood to flow in and i'm like this is stuff i've seen like in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and shit like that, you know, as a prop for demonic rituals, not as an actual thing that was used at the time. Um, so this is definitely the stuff that Mel Gibson and, and co were like, yeah, let's do this shit. And then kind of obviously fudged the numbers around that. <laughs> but he could have done it. He just should have said it was the fucking Aztecs. But anyway, not to worry. Like, so why didn't he? Is it because he wants the the actual arrival at the end of the film and that would have been at the coast where the Mayans were or why Why is it the Mayans and not the Aztec do you think well actually I kind of have a quote on that now that I say it out loud because they were debating which one to do and they thought that the Mayans were more interesting because 
quote, you can choose a civilization. This is not Mel Gibson. This is uh, Farhad Safian, Safinia. Um, you can choose a civilization that's bloodthirsty or you can show the Maya civilization that was so sophisticated with an immense knowledge of medicine, science, archaeology, and engineering, but also able to illuminate the brutal undercurrents uh, and ritual sa- uh, savagery that they practice. It was a far more interesting world to explore and why... Um, explore why and what happened to yeah, them. So but like, they're saying that they want to show more nuance, but they don't really do that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, but, I don't. I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. I think they. I think they picked the Mayans because the Mayans are less well known, less understood, and less well entrenched in the popular psyche of the average American mm. moviegoer. That's what they're doing there. They're getting away with it. Because that, that's a great thing for the, for the writer to say, but if that was true, then why are you depicting half-naked people in a Stone Age village acting like hunter-gatherers to start a movie? It's just a ludicrous thing to do. It's a ludicrous the, thing. The, what I would say to that argument is, if you want to portray the Mayan civilization in all its glory, okay, you could do it around a supposed collapse of Mayan civilization in, in the ninth century. Okay, you can do that. Just don't have a load of fucking Spanish arriving at the end of the movie and say it's 1500. Then it would have been a great movie. But anyway. Like, unless those, <laughs> unless those European ships were, were built by Doc Brown, like, and they've come, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, like it, I, it's, it's do one or the other. Don't, don't do, yeah. don't just do one, smash do them one or the other. Because, yeah, yeah. because the, the, the white audience in America is expecting to see the Spanish arrive. Don't do that. You know, I, mean, it's I think I think your expectation before watching it, Mark, is so accurate as well because it's called Apocalypto. You kind of assume it's going to be about the Spanish arriving yeah, and being right? like fucked up. <laughs> Instead, it kind of shows this society and how fucked up it is already, and then just kind of has it. It, it is kind of an interesting sort of you know, setting aside the historical aspect and how wrong it is, but, like, to have this society all messed up and, like, have this victory for our main character kind of at the end because our main character survives and kind of saves his his wife and child and then have just these ships arrive. And it's it's an interesting thing to do because we know what that means. And there's been, like, a prophecy earlier in the film, but it's not... I do like that it's not, like, central to the film, really, because Mm -hmm. it's just kind of this over arcing sense of doom for this entire culture that is about to come in because it kind of means like oh this little victory that you had doesn't really matter everything is about to be completely uh tossed out the window and it's just a really weird sort of feeling to end the film on that makes it quite interesting but it's also totally not what you expect from <laughs> from no, the title all, and, and like, the trailers and everything <laughs> i can't believe how how much it, the movie caught me off guard because it caught me off guard more than once so like like you say coming in i, I think yeah okay it's it's the conquistadors arriving into Mexico. That's that's what I think it is. Then the movie opens and I'm like, oh, it's the Stone Age, and then and mm. then they get attacked and enslaved. I'm like, oh, it's the Mayan collapse. Okay, so it's so it's called Apocalypto because it's the apocalypse of the Mayan classical civilization. And then they get to the city and I'm like, wait, they're Aztecs. Maybe it is about the conquistadors. So then I'm expecting the Spanish army to arrive, yeah, but yeah, then it yeah. turns into Predator, and I'm like, what's going on in the film at all? I, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> It's fine as long as you turn your brain off, you know. There's no issue. And it's beautifully there made. Yeah, yeah. Like it's beautifully yeah. made. Like that's the, it's a it's a gorgeous film. Like the shots are brilliant. You know what I mean? Like we were saying before we were on air, Mick, like Mel Gibson knows how to how to put a story together, he knows how to put a narrative together, and he knows how to, to pick a shot. Like he can make things look great and epic and cinematic and everything. But it just the detail, he just doesn't care about it at all. It just, it just, it, it just doesn't really need to make any sense as far as he's concerned, or that's what it seems like anyway. Yeah. Let me ask you, Michael, about uh, now that we've sort of firmly established what these cultures were and were not, <laughs> and what the film shows. Uh, what happened when the conquistadors did arrive? Like, what happens after the end of this film as they these two cultures clash? Yeah, like this. I would highly recommend anyone to look into this, you know. As I said, it's like uh, the equivalent of, you know, us arriving on Mars and meeting the Martians tomorrow, you know. So it's it's full of great stories, great anecdotes. Um the Spanish, you know, heavily documented their con uh, th- th- this this exhibition. Uh, so like there's a lot of documents we also have sna- sources from the Mayans as well. Uh, or sorry, from the Aztecs as well. Uh, see, I'm doing, I'm mixing up the two of them now as well, you know. Mm. Um, so there <laughs> is a lot to, and, there, and recently as well, I would say with any of these cultures is that the, 
availability of lidar this new technology where they can you know use lasers to re to see underneath the jungle means that we're only still at the tip of the iceberg in what we're about to learn about all these cultures you know because now they can actually see they can find whole villages and whole cities in the middle of the jungle so hopefully we can do another update on this podcast in a few years maybe if it's still going but anyway um the spanish arriving in mexico well like there's only one guy you really need to know about uh and that's hernan cortez so he was basically born in 1485 he would have been of lesser spanish nobility um his whole world growing up would have been shaped by the reconquista uh so essentially the spanish uh, throwing the north african muslims or spanish muslims out of spain which they can completed in 1492 so the Spanish but just to, just time, to put in for a little just to put in make for a little bit of context here at mm. the time of the Mayan collapse Spain is controlled by the Umayyad Caliphate so it's it's it doesn't exist as Spain just so everyone's on the same on the same page here so not only did they not arrive at that time Spain didn't exist yet <laughs> at the time this of the Mayan it, collapse yeah. right. uh, we okay, can sorry. we can add that to the list as well 100% um so this so the Spanish were in extreme extremely re- had a lot of religious verve at this time and in that same year they completed the the reconquering of spain they banned all the jews just for being jews you know so they were religious hardcore guys what happened was that the pope actually gave his blessing to the spanish crown okay to um to evangelize the new world so he basically told them go over do whatever you like spread the word of god as they would have seen it the one true god so Cortes set off, um, and eventually, probably the first major thing he did was he uh, was a major part of the conquest of Cuba, okay, in uh, fifteen eleven. So just a few few years beforehand, and he basically used Cuba as his launching pad for this invasion into. Uh, the valley of mexico because they heard the, the spanish heard stories about these cities full of gold and you know all the stuff you see in indiana jones movies basically this is what they were looking for <laughs> so um eventually there was a few failed expeditions before cortez there was a couple that just went completely awry but he he essentially arrived over in spain in 1519 and like when you're putting his conquest into context like his only really rival would be Alexander the Great, you know, in terms of within two years, he had conquered this massive, vast territory and defeated one of the world's most powerful empires within two years. And he arrived with a kind of bunch of mercenaries, um, some slaves from Cuba uh, and a small kind of group of uh uh, Spanish who had muskets, who had kind of war dogs, uh, who had cannons, all this type of thing. And essentially in 1519, he founded the first Spanish uh, Spanish uh, town in, in Mexico uh, called Veracruza. And probably the, the thing that really stuck out to me with Cortes was that he, w- he was called kind of like one of the most revered and reviled men in history. And he knew that he had to he had no choice but to win so he scuttled his ships he established this town in in mexico he scuttled all his ships he took the cannons off he took the sails off and he sunk all his ships and what he said to the reason he did that essentially was he said uh that this way that his uh, his men would have nothing but uh, to, to rely on, they could either conquer or die. They had no other choice. So I think that would give you an idea of his mindset going into, going into Mexico. And he essentially he used uh, shock tactics. So the Spanish or the, the native peoples, you know, they, they had never seen armor, muskets, cavalry, as we said. And he or knew this. Even, right? Yeah. And the first time they saw the the Spanish on the horses, they weren't sure if the men were attached to the horse. They weren't sure if it was some sort of a beast, you know? Um, I always think that sort of thing is is never really um, 
well understood in history. You know when you when you get these like all, all throughout history in, in in all parts of the world where like one civilization sort of bumps into another one and and the shock that there must be. Like the the example I always used was like the Vikings arriving and seeing Constantinople, like seeing yeah. the walls of Constantinople. Like you'd never get over that. Be like landing on the moon. Yeah. Like you know what's going. You know you've just never yeah. seen anything like that. And the locals in 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 Mexico in in modern day Mexico like. These lads arrive in in armor, like shining armor with cannons and muskets, and they can kill you from afar by pointing a stick at you because that's what it looks like. You know, that's what a musket looks like, and they're on a horse. Like, is that a two-headed animal with, like, you know what I mean, or with four legs and two arms? Like, what's going on? You know what I mean? It must have just been shocking to them. Not, not to mention then the military tactics. Like, they will have never experienced what a cavalry charge is. Yeah, you know, you wouldn't be able to stand up to that. You know, they just no idea what's going on, no idea to defend against it or what's even happening. So, and what's kind of little known, what's little known, like this was a small Spanish force. It was a few hundred of men initially, you know, but they managed through these shock tactics and scare tactics, they managed to kind of exploit the divisions that existed. Because obviously, uh, you know, he, the, uh, Montezuma sitting in Tenochtitlan, uh, he had enemies because he had subjugated these people around him. So Cortes made alliances with local tribes. So the vast majority of Cortes's army were native people. And right. essentially, okay. he grouped a whole army together and he set off for the capital. So he set off through the mountains with his men. He left the town of Veracruz behind. And his real motivation here, guys, so it, like, obviously, officially, it was to evangelize you know, the new world, <laughs> but everything was gold. And he made it very clear, like the head of time, the, the Aztecs were like, how do we get rid of this guy? Cause they knew he was coming, you know? So they kept sending him gold and jewels and thinking that all he wanted was this and then he'd go away. But sure, that only fucking encouraged him, you know? Yeah. And there's a great quote of his and it's basically, he was asked, you know, why he liked gold so much or, or what he was doing in the new world. He was talking to the native inhabitants and he had translators at this time as well, which was really good. He, he had kind of latched on to people who, Spanish people who had lived for there for about 10 years, had been stranded and had learned the local language. So he, he had translators and he said, I and my companions suffer from a disease of the heart that can only be cured by gold. You know, and this was his... <laughs> And I, I love his I honesty. A, I love his honesty. I thought that was a Jeff Bezos quote. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so essentially this, it was very clear what he wanted. He was, the more gold that he was being sent as bribes, the, the, the more groups he gathered around him and he basically marched on the capital, which is a Tenochtitlan. I'm going to repeat it one more time so that I don't forget the pronunciation. Um, and this all culminated, he arrived on November the 8th in 1519. So this is only a few months after he's landed. And he actually met Montezuma. So Cortes and Montezuma met. And this is called, uh, many people refer to this as the birth of modern history. So this, this, these two civilizations meeting in this place, that this was the birth of modern history. And you can see why that would be the case. You could debate it either way, you know. Wait, does that mean that what they actually mean is it like the death of old history then because of what happened or what's the thinking there? more just that two groups who had two uh two societies that had no idea of each other completely isolated you know for thousands and thousands of years um suddenly like met and you know had to get to know each other and realized that there was something else on the other side of the world you know so that's and i suppose I think, it's sort of it's sort of it. Cortez representing the civilizations of Europe and Montezuma mm. representing the civilizations of the Americas, I suppose, in, 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 yeah, in some way. Sort of yeah, the Mesoamerican, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Sort of yeah. Uh, but, like, you have to remember the fear. So Montezuma, he was a great king, as we said. Like, people weren't even allowed to gaze upon him, you know. Um, but he was also deeply religious. And he was frightened of his life of Cortez, you know. And... When he met Cortes, he actually had a he was he had a fear that this was actually a prophecy. There was a Aztec prophecy that one day a plume serpent, a plumed serpent god called Okay, give me bear with me here. Quetzalcoatl, okay. 
would oh, return yeah. and that he would shake the foundations of heaven. So they saw these Spanish. They never see, really even saw men with beards before. And they thought that this might be this returned God from across the sea. So they were afraid of their life of them. So at, at this meeting, this historic meeting, uh, Montezuma says, come on in, lads. There's plenty of room. And he lets them into their capital city. And they settle down and they live among e- amongst each other for, you know, for months. And Cortes, according to his writings anyway, had no intention of destroying this beautiful city because he, he saw it for what it was. It was a jewel, you know. And he admired their culture in a lot of ways. He hated the human sacrifice. But apart from that, he admired the... Ironically, considering Jesus was supposed to have sacrificed himself. Yeah, I was just going to uh, say, uh, I was going to say, uh, funny uh, for a, a death cult like Christianity to not like this uh, human sacrifice thing. <laughs> exactly. So he he invited them all in, and but this wasn't sustainable. Like you can imagine the level of distrust. They're all living in the one city. There's the Spanish are holed up in the palace, and what eventually happens is Montezuma, the king, becomes more or less a hostage, and. When Cortes kind of has to leave the city on a bit of an exhibition, he leaves one of his lieutenants in charge. And this lieutenant kind of goes on it. He's a kind of a rebel. Goes, goes, uh, goes rogue, yeah. <laughs> he goes rogue, yeah. And he massacres a load of warriors, uh, Aztec warriors in the city, which obviously resulted in them all getting fucking thrown out. Yeah, so fair enough. the initial period where they kind of you had some hopes that they might live together they might get to know each other trade all this type of thing that all goes comes to an end they're thrown out of the city the spanish all their treasure that was given to them is thrown into the sea uh a lot of their native uh, troops are killed and they're they they go off it back into the forest back into the jungle essentially and they regroup and this is sort of the amazing thing about this story what they do they basically, over a series of months, they construct 13 brigadine boats, okay? So t- the, the capital of the Aztec civilization, it was built on a lake. So the Spanish knew they were going to have to siege this thing. So they went off and they built these warships, okay? From native wood, they had cannons, they added to them, you know, they did all this type of thing. And then they carried them, they dismantled them, used native troops to carry them over the mountains reassemble them on the lake and that this begins the siege essentially you know and uh, cut a long story short anyway uh the the siege itself they use the boats to kind of encircle the town they cut off the fresh water supply to the city and more importantly they this is when disease starts to play a part so this is when smallpox likes diseases which we think were brought f- over from Europe, you know, where there's no way of really knowing, but we, this, it seems like there's a correlation. This is when they really start to affect the population. So you've got the Aztecs besieged in their capital city with no water, uh, running out of food. Now they've got all these mysterious diseases and they believe in this prophecy that says that this God has come back from across mm. the sea to, you know, f- for, for the end times, essentially. Um, so eventually, you can you, they, you can imagine the panic in the streets if if they're seeing people dying from you know not to put too fine a point on it, but filthy Europeans. Um, they can see people dying in the streets from diseases that they'd never encountered before. It must have been terrifying for them, like you know, just yeah. no idea what's going on. And then, this, like you say, this potential religious sort of aspect of it, you know, it must be it must just been completely terrifying for them. And Montezuma himself, we don't know how he died, but he ended up dying in one of these battles anyway, and he was replaced. But after, anyway, by 1521, by the summer of 1521, the, the, the Aztecs gave up, essentially. They knew they were beaten. So within this two-year period, this massive empire is completely eclipsed by a small band of Spanish and uh, largely native troops coming in and completely eradicating this this great power, you know? So it's a it's an incredible piece of history, you know? Uh, they reckon about 200,000 200,000 died in the siege. It's considered one of like the most costliest sieges in human history. Wow. 
And quite depressingly, Montezuma's revenge has now become a colloquial term for diarrhea, uh, especially <laughs> contracted when you go to Mexico. And that it's quite depressing <laughs> that that's the extent of the payback that's been given to these Western conquerors. Um, and as Mark kind of alluded to, like there was, this was the end game for them. And this disease then, like these diseases that they had no immunity to over the course of the next century, you're looking at, as Mark said, like the vast majority, about 90% of people, indigenous population were dead from one, one thing or another, but caused by the Spanish arrival, you know? Um, but you know, people often think, oh, so the Aztecs are gone, you know, or the Maya are gone. And, and because, you know, they, but, but that's actually not true. They largely live in the same area. There's still 1 million people who speak an Aztec language alive today. You know, um, there's about 10 million people who speak Mayan languages still alive today, you know, still. Uh, uh, so th- th- their cultures are actually making a little bit of a comeback. If I was mo- a, mo- a modern day Mayan person, I would be extremely pissed off with Mel Gibson because of this movie. But that's all <laughs> I'd say about that. <laughs> well, uh, it, it might just be the people I've spoken to. But the impression I got when I was in Mexico uh, is that the impression of this film is actually largely super positive. And I think that might be the case for any nation that is sort of used to living off US media and just used to not having anything about our own local culture shown on a grand stage at all. So despite there being like inaccuracies, just the fact that it's sort of lifted on a more uh, global scale. It, I mean, there, obviously, there's millions and millions of people. It could be varied opinions. But I think that sense of having it depicted at all, having any attention brought to it, and especially like the, uh, you know, attention brought, I think, to the injustices of the the uh, invasion as well. Not that that is documented in the film. But still, I think overall, the it's kind of different from say when Ireland's portrayed portrayed it's usually like oh they're gonna fuck this up aren't they and they usually do (laughs) like go into it from that position more where this is I think a little bit more like a a country that largely is used to being uh not talked about and especially not talked about in relation to its incredibly rich history and so on um and I also, it's, it's speaking of p- being pissed off at Mel Gibson, I did also, again, I, I have very limited uh, experience of talking to people about this, but there seems to be a more widespread resentment sort of towards the Spanish, uh, like still kind of a little bit in Mexico, because it seems they still have a fair bit of economic power, kind of the same way that old uh, religious connections kind of linger in, in countries like Ireland as well, as far as the economic stratification and everything. Um, I think... Uh, a big difference to the US would be that a lot of people in Mexico, because of this presence, you were saying that the the sort of nations or cultures coexisting, a lot of people in Mexico still would like genuinely be genetically connected with indigenous yeah. peoples, even if they don't yeah. speak the languages and such. Mm-hmm. So that still exists there to a larger than degree than in the US, where everyone claims to have Native American 1% ancestry <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but um, none of them do. But it... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's more that sort of that connection to these ancient cultures is still seems to be more prevalent. And I also wanted to mention about Mexico City and the lake because it's so annoying. Uh, I mean that this lake uh, Texcoco that the capital was built to. When you look at illustrations of this ancient city, it's just beautiful the way they're able to grow all these crops. Mm. They have it all irrigated and figured out, yeah. and then uh, with the, with the, after the conquest, they were just like, oh, we. We could probably control the flooding better than these native people, and just in their efforts to control the flooding and avoid it, they it's basically led to most of the lake being drained, and now the entire lake basin is pretty much occupied by Mexico City, which so it's basically all just concreted over, and Mexico City <laughs> is in this big, uh, like valley between mountains in one of the most unsustainable positions for an enormous city in the world because think about every other major city of that size there's always access to water around and it's just built on the ruins of this whole conquest basically uh modern day mexico city (laughs) like i think we could still we could we like speaking environmentally for example we could probably learn a lot from the Mayans and the Aztecs about how to balance, say, 
how to build a city but in 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 a in a in a more balanced way where you have you know everything integrated and your agricultural system doesn't do as much damage because they didn't have grazing and you know these type of things so like there's a lot there's a lot we could learn from them and the other thing i like there's still a big uh, link in as jacob was mentioning to aztec culture in mexico like even the flag the symbol that's in the middle of the mexican flag that was the symbol for the aztec capital city um and so it remains to this day this prickly pear tree one we were talking about you know um and as well as that they think that mexican catholicism the kind of peculiar brand of mexican uh, catholicism that they practice there is is heavily influenced by their kind of prior religious beliefs before the arrival of mm. the spanish you know so it's it's a it's I, I think it's a fascinating period anyway but i do say that every week so <laughs> <laughs> For sure, you could definitely see that influence. I mean, even in things like uh, the wonderful Pixar film Coco and the Day of the Dead and how that works, like that's a very particular brand of Catholicism that much like, you know, whenever a religion comes in and kind of becomes adapted, like we talk about with like Seven Samurai and how the Japanese made yeah. Buddhism kind of fit into their way of thinking and sort of adopted it together with Shintoism and stuff. It's a little bit similar how they've, yeah, there, there's still these bits of the culture that are alive today. Um, I guess we're, we're coming close towards the end. I will ask for sources if there's any in a minute, but before then, any closing thoughts either on the film or, or the history of this time period? Mark? Well, I would just say um, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie is going to, going to go and see the movie. It's, it is, uh, it's, well, it's worth pointing out like you did at the start. It is an action movie, um, more or less. I mean, it's a sort of a chase action movie. It is beautifully made. It looks fantastic. Um, but if you're looking for a timeline to make any sense, leave your brain at the door because it's it's probably from that perspective, it's the least historical accurate historically accurate movie that we've discussed. I would say, which is fairly damning uh, considering some of the movies we've looked at, but still pretty enjoyable. I would say yeah. it's, it's it's well made, it's well put together, well it's acted, well, well acted as well. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting to see a cast speaking in my in in. A, I know it's obviously a, a, a more modern uh, version than what they would have been speaking in either of the time periods depicted by the movie, but uh, it's interesting to see that. For all its faults, uh, it is a, a, a cast of indigenous peoples uh, yeah. as well. Like, and they're yeah. all people. Well, maybe not all of them. Some of them are like obviously known have been in other things, especially like the leader of the slave uh, traders is in a fair few other films. I forget the names. Maybe you have them, Michael. But uh, like a zero lot of them, wolf of them, and like, middle eye. So we've got. Uh, I was thinking of the actors, but yeah, uh, uh, because oh, like so Gerardo Tarakena and Raúl Traílo, Traílo, Raúl Traílo, Traílo. I would Traillo. say. Yeah. Um, uh, he's in like things like True Blood and and Lost Girl and uh, and all sorts. But the main character, the first of the two you mentioned, I think is, uh, um, yeah, Rudy Youngblood just someone who responded like to a general casting call um, and was picked by Mel Gibson. And he does a fantastic job. Although I will say it's often the case when you watch a film with subtitles, you're like, is this good acting or am I just not? (laughs) Do I just not? (laughs) Am I assuming it's good because his facial expressions are good? (laughs) It's absolutely the thing with Swedish where it's like, I've seen a show and like, this is, dreadful and then it gets picked up and like made for adaptations in the uk but it was horrible and then i'm like ah it probably seems sophisticated because they're all speaking swedish and being yeah. weird just yeah. like swedes do <laughs> uh but he is i i do think he's very good and and they've uh i mean not that it would make any sense to make this film and then cast like white people but also <laughs> that is damon. what hollywood does all the time so at least they didn't do that yes. <laughs> like matt damon and dad what was that movie the great wall where they tried to make matt damon chinese where uh, Matt Damon arrives into arrives into ancient China to save the day. <laughs> oh my god! I I don't know how. Like I actually like Matt Damon as an actor, and I don't know how he didn't look at that and go, "Nah, I, I don't think this is a good idea." You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, well, it worked with the Last Samurai, kind of. Um, right. So I I think Predator is a good comparison that you mentioned, Mark, as well. When you said that, I was like, "Yeah, that really puts the." like puts your finger on what i was trying to how just how to describe the film um kind of predator meets ancient society sort of uh situation um so michael what remind us what did you read to prepare for this since you did most of the research here 
the main the main the main kind of source i have is conquistador um and it's a book by buddy levi uh it mainly covers as the what we what i discussed there about montezuma and cortez arriving in but it also goes into the kind of general history of mesoamerica as well so uh i would definitely recommend that if anyone's looking for something read them up excellent and i appreciate your input mark that it might be the least historically accurate film i think maybe on our finale of season two we're gonna have to go through and figure out is there any competition uh you know <laughs> which is actually the least historical uh historically accurate film and this one in particular uh we, we didn't even get to like the thing that definitely didn't happen i don't i think we've kind of let that feature fall by the wayside but there's a lot of things that was the whole movie yeah that was the the original sin of of Mel Gibson just deciding like that he wanted to do Maya instead of Aztec like just change a date and it would have been fine well, anyway, I get you. <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> if you, dear listener, have any input on this film, you can reach us uh, with an email. Send it to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. It might be included in our finale discussion. Although maybe not, because we're recording these in advance, so I don't know if we'll get it in time. But uh, either way, you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Those are always very much appreciated. Uh, just search for Real History on Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't have an iPhone, you can still do it, I promise. Uh, I know it's a hassle, but just go ahead and get get it done it would really mean a lot i mean you listen to this all the time why wouldn't you just leave a review sorry i'm not bitter either um but i think that's uh i think that's pretty much it so uh we'll see you next time to discuss more fun historical films but for now everyone that's the end of the reel cheers thanks a lot everyone